Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest today is Germany-based Archie Rin Tut, who does great work for ESPN. Before we get going, you can sign up for a subscription to my writing site at grantwall.com. We're just starting year two and have big plans to cover two World Cups in the next 12 months. That's grantwall.com. Now, here's my interview with Archie Rintut. Our guest now is one of my favorite media people covering the German Bundesliga. Archie Rintut is a freelance reporter who works for ESPN on the ground in Germany. Archie, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me. Lots to talk about here, but let's just start. I'm curious to know, what is your day-to-day work like in a typical week? So there is no typical week <laughs> for a start. When the when the Champions League and Europa League and my favorite Europa Conference League starts up, meaning I get to, to go to places such as Slovenia for the first time and, and whatnot, it means that there's a lot of travel involved. Um, when when that's not the case, uh, then a lot of it is keeping across what's happening uh, in terms of storylines that may break for a week and just making sure I've got tabs on that because I'll go on ESPN FC's program, um, nightly show. I'll generally go on once a week or so. And then on top of that, um, things get cooking when the weekend rolls around. Uh, that's that's when uh, that's when things happen as as is as is life as a sports journalist so so yeah uh it's there's there's also sadly admin that needs to be done um which i will always try and put off for as long as possible but uh yeah that that that's the gist of it i would say i love your reporting from stadiums from outside stadiums what you do for television what you post on your twitter how do you sort of approach that? Do you have sort of a guiding philosophy when you're reporting from a location like that? I'm, I'm not sure philosophy uh, is 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 the appropriate word for what I do, <laughs> but I'd say that it's for me about trying to give people things that they can't see on the television, they can't see on Twitter, and trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who doesn't follow the Bundesliga on a daily basis or even on a weekly basis and will want to learn new things about the league, about the way that people watch the football to even the sweets that they may eat at Borussia Dortmund at halftime. The, I, I don't know if you have pick and mix in the US um, or what that or what that's called. Um, I, I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving everyone's love for candy over there. But just those little details that for me give a sense of of being on the ground and what it what it feels like to be there so that that's something I always try and keep in mind and also just trying to to take myself a step back because it's very easy to start making assumptions about what people know when in fact for example with Union Berlin there's a, a common line about the fact that uh, the club's fans gave blood to help build the stadium that's a common line to somebody who knows the Union Berlin story, but maybe somebody who's joining it for the first time won't know that. And there's, I think, that balance that you have to seek uh, as as a reporter of a, of a league, which isn't the Premier League, where you have to remember that there can't be too much assumed knowledge and you have to find the balance of the people who are following it all the time and not trying to irritate them 
by repeating the same detail over and over again and trying to come towards people who might be interested in in watching it engaging with it for the first time now that makes total sense um what in your opinion makes the bundesliga special the fans the fans and their attitude towards the authorities for a start and by this i mean the ultra groups and the way that they behave i think that's that's very unique and i think whilst there are bits about them which i think can be taken out of context i think on the whole uh the the sort of work they do on a on a social on a on a social level how socially conscious that they are i think that that is forgotten amidst uh, amidst all the flares and uh, smoke bombs that may be let off and even the seriousness of that I always wonder to myself if it was that bad then would they do it uh, because there are still human beings underneath um, underneath these uh, these masks uh, that they might they may wear so that they don't get identified and I think coming from a Premier League background myself growing up as a fan uh, it's been an eye-opener to see the way that that works and Obviously, with the way that German clubs are, are owned and how that is primarily still in the hands of the fans, that is a big difference. So, yeah, dot on a, on a in terms of a big heading, I'd say the fans, but just also the way that people in German football and in Germany are much more concerned about what they stand for rather than it just it doesn't matter. We just have to win no matter what, and we will. We will sell our soul at whatever price it costs. We we don't care which state uh, or which person owns us, um, which is what I find more and more commonly in England. So, yeah, I think the fact that I was raised there and then go into a different environment, those, those are the things that jump out at me. No, it's really interesting. I mean, I only really started covering German soccer a little over a decade ago. Made my first big trip over there, I think, in 2010. And I was struck by the not just the community aspect, but the social mission aspect. And I realized that even in England, there's more of a community sense around clubs than there are around U.S. professional sports teams in most cases. But it's sort of a there's a continuum. And I felt like Germany, where you actually had fans welcomed to come attend training sessions on a regular basis in Germany, sort of took things to a different level. And are there any other sort of little or big examples of things like that that you see in Germany? I think you see it in the way that the team will always go over to the fans as a team all together at the end of a game. And in a winning cause, they might do uh, what's called the humba, where they, uh, it, it, it depends on the club as well. That That's tends to be most specific uh, to to Mainz uh, mm. as as one of the places which is home to carnival but just this idea of uh, everyone kind of linking hands and uh, and raising them at the same time as the as the as the fans behind the goal as well and you'll see the way that Sadio Mane for example was invited up onto the fence uh, at Frankfurt after Bayern's opening day demolition uh, job there so I think that sort of direct connection is more than just as I see in England for example uh, kind of the players 
going and straggling over uh, to the fans, dependent as well on the result. Some might just disappear down the tunnel and that's okay. And you sometimes see that when, in terms of a player, if they've come from a different environment, that they will be sent back by a press officer to be like, no, 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 everyone goes with the team to go directly there. So yeah, that's, that's another element uh, that I'd say I've mentioned. And I think the way it's discussed as well, Grant, is like I hear people in England being like, oh, surely... Like people are, they're, they're losing the plot with with Bayern doing so well now, and it comes back to people are like, well, what's the what's the other choice that we sell the club that we love to somebody who doesn't care for it, and then not only are we going to still probably lose, but we then also lose our club, our community, our values, and when you frame it like that, I think it's pretty obvious that the answer is no, still. Um, and uh, no matter what solutions of which I find it very difficult to pick them out myself, um, the chances of that changing, I think, are still low. And there would be widespread protests were any further steps towards a 50 plus one break, which there is attempted still tries at, at trying to dismantle it in German football, that those are still being made by people. And arguments are still being made, uh, albeit shot down as well. And I think when you look at what a club like Eintracht Frankfurt can do by being the way they are and still essentially owned by the fans, I think that very much watered down the argument when you're winning a Europa League title, which is not an easy thing to do in modern football. You brought it up. I, I, I mean, it's interesting to me that Bayern has now won 10 titles in a row. And in the period before that, there were quite a few different winners mm. of the Bundesliga, not just Dortmund under Klopp. You know, there were other clubs that were winning the title. And I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think are the causes of of Bayern having this much supremacy over the last ten years? So, there's one argument that I hear rattled around a lot, which is about Bayern having this winning mentality and. And people just can't get close to that. And and, and really, uh, the rest of the league needs to toughen up. And then I think you come to the real cause of it, which is money. Uh, like, like it is in most aspects of life and in reality here in this situation. Because of the way that the Champions League money has accelerated and created an elite amongst the elites, not just in Germany, but across Europe, you have seen the way that the dominance and the stranglehold on these leagues has has tightened. And and that's the reason is it's as much because, you know, 10 years ago, someone like Raul was able to be attracted to Schalke, like that, that kind of name. And I say this as, as a Fulham fan in the Premier League, it, there's, there's certainly a part of me that enjoys seeing somebody like João Palinha come to Fulham this summer. On the other hand, he's the starting defensive midfielder for Portugal and that a newly promoted side has the cash to attract him tells you something in itself. And I think that it is the way that these traditional clubs uh, have been left behind a lot in Germany that, that tells you what's gone on and despite the fact that Borussia Dortmund have grown significantly and there was definitely a chance for them to win a title if not two if we're being generous within that run of 10 
there was a very close title race that I was involved um now, I, I say involved, involved in reporting on. There we go. <laughs> Important clarification. Um, uh, where, when uh, it went right down to the final day. And and that was, to me, the, the opportunity missed. But otherwise, what more can you expect when, look, you're trying to cut down a tree with a bread knife and buy and have a chainsaw? It's, I think, sometimes, sometimes in the media, we, we search for there being different causes to make it sound different, to make it sound more appealing when actually the truth is, the truth is money. So let me ask you this, because this topic has come up occasionally in Germany, and I think you might have a, a more on the ground read of it than I can get from over here in New York about how serious the possibility is, because I've seen the possibility of end of season playoffs in the Bundesliga to determine a champion come up occasionally and even once or twice seen Bayern Munich people not totally dismiss it but is this even a realistic possibility or is this just some talking point that comes up from time to time a mixture of both of those things I think because you have a new ish CEO of the Bundesliga in Donata Hopfen the likelihood of seeing more ideas like this ways that they can change things she needs to be seen as being proactive and as a result you will see ideas like that floated and I've, the, the the only real reactions I've seen to that has been it being rebuffed and I, I think it's it's worth thinking about I've heard people say it devalues the season but I think for many clubs it would it could it could add a different element to it I just don't think that it would be overwhelmingly popular and the big thing you've got to think about in Germany as well is how deeply unpopular VAR video review has been and how even when teams are having decisions which could go in their favour being ruled one of the things you hear in the stadium without fail every time from ultras of either side is football mafia DFB chanted throughout the stadium which means football mafia german fa uh which is like they see the german fa as being corrupt um and they do not approve of var and they would rather have a game without without video review if it meant that they had or what felt like their sport again so i think they have to be sensitive towards these kind of ideas and from from experience putting these ideas out in the media is also to just dip your toe in the water and 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 to to get a feel of what the atmosphere would be like towards such a decision so we're recording this on august 24th coming out a few days later um what's your sense of the bundesliga season so far what stood out to you buying a pretty good grant <laughs> in comparison to everybody else they don't seem to miss Robert Lewandowski as much as some people wanted to think they would I thought they might a touch but I also recognize that we're three games into a 34 game season and that there is effectively a longer winter break in the Bundesliga this time when it when things shut down in, in November it won't come back again until uh, till just after mid-January I know that because I've booked my holiday after then um, to make sure it coincides with that um, my point 
overall though is that Bayern starting the season well or not even that Julian Nagelsmann as a coach starting seasons well has never been an issue for him whether he's been in Hoffenheim or at RB Leipzig or now at Bayern his teams tend to come out like a train the real crunch is going to be what happens in the Champions League that is where he is under a lot of pressure to perform and I think those are where the question marks are over him as a coach and having making sure that the team can show the kind of variability with their play that they've been showing in these early weeks of the season, tearing apart Bochum, Frankfurt and RB Leipzig as well in the German Super Cup. That's where the big question mark is for me. Borussia Dortmund aren't strong enough at fullback for my liking. I think that... They were also hugely knocked back by Sebastian Haller's cancer diagnosis, and and that's been on 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 that on a human level, just terrible to see somebody who was so at the top of their game as well to to then have to experience what he has. But um, or and even so, you have Bayern Dortmund, and you have Leverkusen and Leipzig both in crises of their own which is something which was unexpected Leverkusen were talking themselves up for a Bundesliga title now they are having to make sure that they don't get sucked into mid-table even at a very early stage they've lost every game every competitive game so far and the light side of this all is having underdogs who make who do far more than the sum of their parts suggests they should such as Union Berlin under their coach Urs Fischer who's been there quite a while now Christian Streich who's been there even longer of a while uh, in in Freiburg and seeing what they're able to do and compete at this top end of the league with the likes of Leverkusen and Leipzig on budgets which are incomparable I think there's always something of a honeymoon season before the start of the European campaign um, for, for clubs across Europe once you get into these three game weeks or Englische Wochen, uh, English weeks as they say in Germany, then you start to see the full metal of a team. But yeah, look, Bayern are my favourites for the title. Surprise you there. Just wouldn't quite run away with the whole, well, this is going to happen every week. It looks very obvious to say that when we're this many games into the season, but Bayern are also playing pretty much a game a week right now. And when that is the case, I think they are naturally going to be stronger. Can you share your story about you you mentioned this you grew up in england uh you're in germany like how how did that go about i should clarify my name is a mixture of english and scottish however it has been to my advantage that because people can't identify where it's from there have been times since i started covering german football where people in england are like oh wow your name sounds really german and then you come to germany and people are like where the hell are you from you're definitely not from here i went oh yeah yeah you guys have recognized it right um so yeah uh i grew up as as a fulham fan of i my dad used to take me to craven cottage my favorite player growing up was brian mcbride yeah um, i i even once I even once wrote him, uh, wrote about him for an English essay, uh, which was like a mock exam. And like, because at the time uh, I used to go on football courses uh, at Fulham's training ground because it was round the corner from where I lived. It meant that like we had 
as a family contact to one of the Fulham physios at the time because my parents had really bad back problems <laughs> and and uh, I got to know the kit man and I'm, I'm saying I get to know the kit man as a 12 year old who <laughs> was hanging about and he, he was waiting for his kids to come out of the football course as well and so as a result uh, one, one morning because I happened to do well on this piece of Brian McBride and my dad wanted to see it brought it home and uh, like one of the physios happened to be there that day and he goes oh um like like could i borrow this and my dad goes yeah sure and i get home from school a couple of weeks later and there was uh like a signed pair of boots from brian mcbride being like best wishes brian i was like yeah he's he, he was my favorite player already but yeah awesome. that was that was put in um in in gold in my head for the rest of my life so yeah uh like that's that's a little bit about i guess uh how how yeah i was i was i I was a premier league nerd um i've got questions though here i've got more questions so why brian mcbride why was brian mcbride your favorite player he just had this heart on his sleeve i always committed I would always go in where it hurts and would still emerge emerge battered and bruised uh, and just had this whole aura to him uh just you know he 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 never he never kind of walked out anywhere with without like kind of his his chest out wide and I think he he was he was just great um his whole attitude um was something that I really looked up to as a as a teenager and 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 playing football and I think yeah you you want to think that the guy that is is leading the line for your team is is tough and and is able to kind of to to come back and I remember when he had a terrible knee injury that he sustained against Middlesbrough and for me like one of the great things about the great escape that Fulham then did that season was that he came back from injury and helped score and he helped he scored again just after uh, he'd given me his boots so I thought that's like well because you've got rid of your unlucky pair of boots you're now scoring again so you're welcome have you ever had any contact in your media career with Brian McBride actually yes for the first time about a year or two ago about two years ago when I was working with somebody who knew him and I told that person that I knew him and uh, sorry I told that person that he was my idol or whatever and then that person uh, was was all too happy to be like oh he's my mate I'm going to ring him right now I was like you're kidding me Um, and like I've I've had to interview people who have won won World Cups and and achieved uh, more than, than than Brian McBride did in his career, and yet I suddenly I felt like I was eight years old again and was just like, oh god, yeah, hi, hi, yeah. Well, I say eight. I think he was playing with Fulham probably when I was about eleven or twelve, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> around about that time. I've forgotten the years now um but yeah uh someone someone took a photo of, of my face um when i was on the phone at that moment because we, we were at a bit of a group dinner and yeah i i also look i look like my child uh, like like a child at that point moment so yeah um i think it's for the best for brian that i don't have to work with him because yeah it's difficult i will say this that 
like you, I don't get starstruck interviewing very famous soccer players. And yet the only times I do are when I have to interview some childhood hero of mine. <laughs> And then I Suddenly. turn into a, a puddle and it's, it's kind of embarrassing in a fun way. Exactly. Um, and so how did you get to Germany? Good question. So yeah, I had no German roots in, in my family. And I, my, my first real contact with, with Germany and German football was I, I got to go on a history trip um, at school. Um, I remember being in Nuremberg hearing about the history of these very important steps that we were on not remembering that because in front of us were loads of Nuremberg fans streaming towards the stadium which was also in front of us to their game against Hansa Rostock which they drew 1-1 but we didn't get to see but I still remember looking up the score uh, it was February 2008 um, Jan Koller scored that's what I can remember so that that lit something in my head um, and then I went interrailing with some friends straight after leaving school and went to look around the Allianz Arena, went to the Olympic Stadium and something in my brain caught fire a little bit more. And then particularly when you're going into a stage of your life like university where, let's face it, you have more time to do more pointless things um, if, if you're if you're on a certain degree, uh, which, hey, I, I had to work hard so, on my broadcast journalism degree, but it also meant that I had spare time in the evenings and I was watching Bundesliga on uh, on betting websites and making sure I had all five games uh, in on screen. Uh, not, not that I would be able to watch them all, but just the thought of being able to watch them all was enough. And then you start to read more and more and, and you see these things. And I read Rafa Honigstein's book called English a Fußball, which I thought, opened my eyes in terms of the comparisons between the two cultures and then yeah I got a very lucky break by doing a piece of work experience uh, with a company uh, who ended up producing um, European football for BT Sport in the UK who had the rights and it just so happened that I'd done work experience with them a year before I went round the back of a truck at a tennis tournament where I was working for a local BBC radio station tried to steal some bacon sandwiches just as I was putting my hand in got caught and was just like oh hi and at that moment yeah we agreed to go for dinner and at that point uh, found out that their producer was looking for somebody who was young um, who knew a lot about German football and was yeah um willing to work in the coming season uh, what what i realized this meant was he was looking for someone who was cheap um <laughs> uh, but, but hey i i was happy to be that person at that point um and albeit yeah you've got to think about things that are um like it was it was enough it was still enough to get by in london um so i was fortunate on that level and then a few years later i had the opportunity just through uh, yeah, somebody who had helped me with my Bundesliga writing to um, to go and move to to Germany and try it there. And BT was supportive in in letting me fly back and forth. Something which uh, I think I'm too old to do now. But I would fly back three weekends out of four in a weekend uh, on uh, in a month to to go work there. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. But yeah. Um, oh, and in the middle of that, I also was working as a radio producer as well. 
um that's wow. that's where um <laughs> there there was quite a lot going on but i think that's the nature of, of the media industry is that you have to do so many different jobs um to 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 get started and uh yeah like that 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 was one of them my my weekend used to be I'm going on here. My weekend used to be uh, between 2013 and 2015. I would go to uh, do set up at this radio station called LBC on a Friday, work there for the day, go in there at say about 11 a.m., produce the show at 3 p.m., leave there at 7, go straight over to BT, watch the highlights coming in from France, Germany, Italy, leave there about 11 get back in there the next day about 8 a.m just to do final research before then recording um highlight voiceover helping with production of the show which went out at like quite late night and then finished at 10 so it was intense <laughs> it was intense <laughs> but uh yeah I, I now enjoy at least a day off on my weekends and that's why. good good i, I want to ask about your relationship with derek ray because derek <laughs> is near and dear to me and a lot of fans in the United States who love his work, and obviously he's doing a lot of games broadcasting of the Bundesliga for ESPN and also of La Liga these days too. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like you and Derek have really hit it off. I think it's really cool and I always look forward to when you happen to be in the same location as you have been a few times already this season and share your thoughts together. And how did that come about? I first met Derek in 2013 when I was still at uni and met is a strong word. I approached him in a pub in West London recognizing sitting down with my mates and being like hang on that's Derek Ray and my mate saying who's that I went you just don't understand um <laughs> so uh I went up to him and at the time I you know I was trying to get into industry by hook or by crook and was uh I'd been practicing my commentary I'd commentated uh, a game for BBC local radio um, or recorded it anyway uh, for Hastings United's second round FA Cup replay against Harrogate Town, which Derek was commentating for ESPN. And I said, uh, I went up to Derek and I started talking to him and talking to him and asked him if he'd listened to my commentary. He did. He was very polite about it, which I still appreciate to this day, um, and gave me a few pointers. And then, as luck would have it, I started working with him on um on bt sport things about six months later and yeah when our paths crossed again uh, at fox and and espn um i think we just chatted more and i think we both have a have our own uh passion towards german football and that very much bonded us and yeah he's he's something like an industry dad to me if i need if I need honest feedback from somebody, then Derek is somebody that I turn to. And I think that, yeah, it's just, we see we see football. I think we see the world in quite a similar way. And yeah, despite the fact that there's, to put it diplomatically, there's a few years between us. Um, so yeah, and we also both like ELO. Um, so um, that, that, that helps as well. It is a really cool thing that when you find that people that you 
really admire their work are also really good people when it's away from the cameras. And Derek is right at the top of the list of great people I've gotten to know in this industry. He was, I think, episode three of this podcast back in um, 2020. I think this is like episode 252. Okay, <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> but uh, always appreciated Derek's support and, and talking to him. Um, a couple more questions here. I really appreciate you taking this much time. Um, you've been very open on your Twitter feed at times about dealing with mental health challenges, which I have always had huge admiration for you doing that. How have you tried to approach mental health and what you say about it publicly? With, with care and sensitivity, because I realize that my own experiences are, are personal and and there that there's an element of me which is still I, I have to keep certain details for myself uh, because yeah I think there can be sometimes a danger of giving too much away and you're giving away too much of yourself but equally um, the thing I want to do above everything else is to try and help a couple of other people and from the messages I've got back from people via Twitter DM, via Instagram, it is, it has worked and that's encouraging. And I just want people to be aware that even, even I think on days when we forget about things like mental health, generally like big, I say this in a sporting industry sense, you don't acknowledge mental health when it's the final, the women's Euros on that day, you, everything goes into a bubble, but I know from friends from experiencing these kind of events myself uh, that if anything those are the days where you just need an arm around your shoulder whether it's physically or verbally um, from people and just remembering to check in and just also remembering that there's only so much that you can do so it's it's a sensitive topic I don't say that I know everything about it because that's also impossible anyway um, as somebody who's not studied it but having felt it I think that I can give certain insights into what it's like and I hope that that can also ease the burden on some people who hear what I have to say and, and may think I can associate with that and and that's those are those are my aims with it really I have noticed in your work a real sense of empathy um, over time, which I admire too. And in particular, I remember during the Euros, the men's Euros, when there was a lot of talk about uh, the rainbow flag and whether stadiums in Germany should post the, the rainbow flag or the Bayern Stadium should have the rainbow colors on the outside, that you did some really good work that was just very human um, around all of that. How, how did you want to approach that and, and come to the realization of, I want to talk about this in some real detail publicly? Part of it comes from living in Germany where it's important to take a position on things and that wasn't overwhelming in the culture that I grew up in and I think that 
being exposed to the the environment that I am in Germany and in Cologne, which is seen as the LGBTQ plus capital of, of Germany as well. It is about making making a statement and making your position clear and and the importance of 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 showing that. So yeah, the way that I approached that was just making that clear and even if even if it may have seemed to one or two people are oh, you're meant to take more of a an impartial stand, whatever that is, I think you've got to you've got to at certain points just say what is right and what is wrong. And to me, it was very clear that this was wrong. So I wanted to say that. And as somebody who had a platform for this, I wanted to try and use that platform that I have. And it was it was nothing more complicated than that, really. I assume that those games have stood out to you and your coverage of the sport over the years. What have been some of your other favorite events or games to cover? over the years no that's a question <laughs> to cover i have to say covering eintracht frankfurt's run to the europa league final and europa league win that they had seeing them take thirty thousand fans to barcelona and being part of that that walk to the stadium and just seeing the, these white masses that was a moment that will stay with me as will the moment where they won it in the final because I still can't quite believe that that they got it over the line or their recreation of Welcome to Mordor um, as they brought the trophy back to the main city square there as well. Just so many little human moments or, to be honest, surreal moments from that campaign, they stand out as well. And even, even as well... I, I think just just going to um, going to a World Cup for the first time in 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 Russia in back in 2018, um, seeing how how much the world has changed since then, and remembering how friendly so many of the locals were there, and and thinking about everything that's that's changed now since since then as well. That that feels completely yeah i think surreal is probably the right word there as well um in a completely different context uh so yeah those it's 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 a very privileged job that i have uh and also one that i i know i have because look sure i from what i've described to you i work i work hard everyone works hard though i i know that i'm afforded certain privileges by the color of my skin by the fact that i'm male i have an english accent which in in the football journalism world i think affords you more than it should um and and that that it that's that i know affords me certain privileges because i know other people in the industry who have had to and do continue to go up against certain barriers um when it comes to access when it comes to going for jobs and the way they're considered so i i do appreciate more now than i did at the start um by having heard the stories from from friends and colleagues of the kind of things they have to go through that i have something of 
approaching a, a double or a triple privilege in, and probably more than, than I'm listing here as well um, I'm, and that is something that I don't take lightly and I hope will hope will also change uh, more and more in, in the coming years because I think that uh, the greater the diversity of and uh, the the diversity of the people involved in the industry incre- increases the diversity of the views which are represented as well and creates a more tolerant society and can hopefully make it not so shocking when say a player coach you name it um finds that the time is right for them to come out in 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 the men's professional game um because yeah um i think that those are steps that are still uh, football is still a very uh conservative sport in the way that it is reported and indeed in the way that the figures that play it are represented which doesn't quite answer the question that you had originally but look tangents which is Um, fine which is fine (laughs) it also makes me it also makes me think of just even over here in the u.s you know robbie rogers colin martin we haven't had many players come out in american soccer um still and so i i really have admiration for for them, there's quite a few more on the women's side, but I also remind myself that even Megan Rapino was not out until right before the 2012 Olympics. So she had played in her sort of star-making World Cup, her first one in 2011, and was not out yet. And she's about as out as can be now, right? Um, but like, it's still a process. And, and for the decade or so before that, there were a bunch of players on the U.S. women's national team who were gay and not out so we hope things continue to change for the better um one last basic question for you what sort of things do you want to do in the coming years work-wise <laughs> i think the the pause there probably tells you that i've not given that enough thought um, but, <laughs> Sorry. but uh but yeah the truth is i'm still i'm still learning um i'm I'm still learning and want to continue doing that. And if I reach a point where that's not the case, which I can't envisage in particular with this job, then there may be something different. But for now, I enjoy the challenge of still getting to the grip, still getting to grips with German, with German grammar, for instance. That's not always easy. Uh, and trying to understand the way that different cultures work and doing that abroad uh doing it away from from my homeland is something that i really enjoy so so long as it's to be honest so long as it's not in the uk i'm i'm all ears Uh, (laughs) but yeah i really enjoy working with um with espn on the bundesliga and the chance to be able to to still tell and um share the the insights and and things that i see on the ground and uh yeah um for now that, that that that's enough for me that's all good <laughs> rg rin tut is a freelance reporter who works for espn on the ground in germany Archie, thanks for coming on the show thanks grant cheers thanks for listening to football with grant wall i'd like to thank rg rin tut as well as producer chris whittingham you can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com the best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription see you next time